Ahoy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 92 of the podcast, This Is M, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everywhere you find good podcasts, you'll find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us, give us five stars, type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why others will also. And if you can think of one person in your life who you think would like the podcast, send them your favorite episode. Also, video podcast available now uh, at at thisismpod.com. That's thisismpod.com. Watch the video on our website or click through to the YouTube channel where you can like and subscribe and all those good things. And even as I'm saying all this for almost the hundredth time now, although it's changed a few times, I was just thinking, uh, I will continue the intro this way until episode 100, and then I will come up with something new. I promise you. I'm sick and tired of saying the same thing. And, And honestly, I don't even know that it's helpful. You know, when I reflect on this podcast over the last year, um, we've been pretty consistent in the, the number of people that listen to us, but it's not, it's not growing. Um, and, uh, honestly, people aren't really watching, uh, the videos, which uh, I don't say to sound like I'm complaining or anything. It's just, uh, you know, again, I have my brother's voice in my head as I start talking about this, which is he, he, he does not enjoy the meta commentaries on the podcast, but, um, you know, we're approaching episode 100 and it's time to switch gears. Um, and actually, as I think about it, um, I think about the time that we hit 100 episodes, I will either have just started school, or the fall semester, rather, and uh, I think I, I will just be in a different place in my life. So uh, I think in general, I'm just feeling this sort of seasonal, transitional <laughs> period of my life. Um, I was going to catch you up on some... Chinese class stuff, but I, I should just really follow my thoughts here. But um, you know your boy's into the I Ching, you know he's into Chinese philosophy, and even as I was sitting down here, I don't know why I was thinking about this. Well, actually, I think it's because I promised at the end of last episode that I would talk more. You know, I mentioned that I've been watching more of this. I don't even know if evangelical is the right word for it. Um, people usually say that they mean it like sort of denomin- denominationally, if that's the right word. But I've been watching this uh, conservative, that's probably an appropriate word, conservative uh, Christian pastor named John MacArthur, who uh, has a YouTube channel called Grace to You, I believe. And, uh, sorry, I burbled. But, um, you know, he says tons of monstrous things, so I don't want you to think that, if you happen to look him up, I don't want you to think that I'm converting to uh, his brand of Christianity or anything, but there's something about uh, him that I find very intriguing. And uh, although I disagree vehemently with so many of the things that he says, um, there's something about his uh, perspective on religion that I think is, you know, if you're going to be religious, if you're going to be a Christian in particular, um, there's something about his biblical perspective that I think is close to something that feels intellectually defensible. Not that it's right, you know, not that it's correct, not that it's true with a capital T, not that it's even something I want for other people. Uh, but if you are going to be a person of the Bible or believe that the Bible is the Word of God, I think his approach is the only one that makes sense in, in some ways, at least that that I've encountered. Uh, not that he's the only one possessed of it, but, um, you know, that people who believe the Bible is the Word of God should take it literally, and he advocates for that. Now, tons of monstrous things uh, are a product of that, right? People believe horrible things as a result of that and advocate for horrible things as a result of that. But if that's what you believe, that's what you believe. And so even though I don't want more of it, at least if we're just talking about 
defensibility. Uh, that makes sense to me. Now, why am I talking about that? Oh, as I was sitting down to do the podcast, I was just thinking about, one, why do I enjoy that? You know, why throughout my entire life have I had this uh, interest in religion and, you know, just spending a shit ton of time with people I don't agree with, and yet there's something at the core of their way of life, of their beliefs that I, f- I, I don't even know what to call it. Is it interesting? I feel, I feel like it's important to understand. I, I, and in some ways I like being around it. Um, you know, there are so many important parts, ch- chapters of my life that sort of happen alongside exploring religion and other people's religion and, and their belief systems. And, you know, I think about the time I was sort of kind of bottoming out when I was living in Tucson, Arizona and spending a lot of time with the Mormons or, uh, when I moved out to the Bay area, I had this like complete collapse. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure if we've really talked about this on the podcast, but, um, there was this period where like I quit my job and I didn't leave my apartment for like six months. And, uh, one of the only things I was able to bring myself to do around that time was to go to, uh, a church in Oakland where they had the Latin mass every night. And uh, that was like the one hour out of the day. Other than like there was this huge parking lot, um, which they've since like redesigned. But I used to drive to this parking lot and like read in my car. Felt like a pretty uh, doable thing for me. Uh, outside of that, the only time I got out was like going to this church for an hour uh, every night, Monday through Friday, for Latin Mass. And there's something about that I find beautiful. You know, it's always been very interesting to me. Um,. But as I'm, you know, as I'm in this transitional period of my life, I just think, you know, what, what will the next chapter be for me? And why does that, why, why are these things feel important to me? And I don't want to, I don't want to lead you to think that I'm on the verge of some kind of religious conversion here, but I do think, you know, the time that the I Ching entered my life and this whole idea of not just being interested in religion, but, you know, kind of giving yourself over to kind of this spooky system of symbols and like taking it seriously. And, and I don't want to say using it as a tool to make important life decisions, but using it as a way to come closer to your own feelings and desires and wants and using, and, and sort of using it to guide your life. Um, uh, and in some ways actually giving you the power to actually take control of your life in kind of a, a new way. Um, but I'm just like talking myself into, a Gordian not here. Um, and I, I think it's because I'm actually, well, one, I, I'm at the cusp of my understanding about what I'm talking about. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about, if I'm being honest with you. But I do believe there is something here that I'm trying to think through and talk through. And I experience this all the time. When I'm in therapy, I talk about it like the, um, like the matrix or like a computer system where it's like I have some kind of virus in my brain where I'm sort of wired, the minute I actually begin to approach a topic of, 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 of great interest or import, uh, I have some code running in my brain that goes, uh-oh, he's approaching, he's approaching the door he shouldn't knock on, uh, let's sort of divert his attention. In my brain, I literally, I, I feel it start to wind down, you know, and I enter this place where it's like, I think of the movie Memento, where Guy Pierce's character can't make new memories, And so every situation he's in, he's sort of living in the moment. And then about every eight minutes or so, he just sort of looks up and thinks, wait, what, what, what am I doing here? What just happened? 
you know, and he's always having to start over and have the same insights over and over again. And it keeps him in this perpetual loop. That's both, uh, being deceived by others, but also like self-deception. Whoa. Oh shit. I mean, I know that to be true, but actually I never really made that connection before. Um, God, Christopher Nolan's a brilliant filmmaker. I actually, I actually just rewatched, um, Tenet over the course of a couple days, which, uh, I've probably seen it like five or six times now. And even though it's still baffling and like, like the exposition is horrible and I have, I just have deep, deep problems with it. It's still like an incredible accomplishment. Um, there's something about Christopher Nolan's storytelling where I think, I know he's kind of, I, I like, I, I think a lot of like film bros really love Christopher Nolan. And I think, uh, I mean, I think every generation has this, like there's the, the sort of popular filmmakers that, uh, I think like the, the quote, real filmmakers hate people loving, but I just, I just think it's true. I think Christopher Nolan is, you know, maybe one of the, the best filmmakers, Dark Knight movies aside, or his Batman movies aside, which I don't, I really don't think are that's, you know, they're, I guess they're good for comic book movies. I don't think they're categorically good movies, but, um, his original films especially, I think, are the shit. But um, what am I really talking about? <sighs> if, you're wa- if you're watching the video, you see that I look absolutely exasperated, I'm sure. But um, I am talking about spirituality being, you know, listening to this, to uh, John MacArthur, this pastor. And where am I going? What am I really trying to say? Um... How do I feel in this moment? Well, I finished, um, you know, I'm taking Chinese all summer. I'm basically taking a year's worth of Chinese in 12 weeks. You know, a normal school semester is 16 weeks. And I'm taking two semesters worth of Chinese in 12 weeks. So it's been... uh, it's been fucking nuts, and we're only halfway through. Um, and we had our final test yesterday. And I had one of these bizarre moments, <laughs> which happens sometimes as a student, I think, where um, I, I didn't feel really prepared for this last test. We had a long weekend, and so uh, instead of four classes during the week, we had three. So, you know, we have to cram in at the same amount of material in less time, Um And I just, I just didn't feel strong going into the test. And yet I did everything I could to prepare for it. Again, I, the test is due at like midnight on Friday evening. I spend all day Friday reviewing all of the homework, essentially redoing all the homework assignments during the week to sort of, um, go over it, re-see it, think through the same things, become more familiar with the vocabulary. I listen to audio recordings and, and dictate them as much as possible so I can get my ear dialed into the vocabulary, et cetera. And I probably spend about at least eight hours studying. And I start taking the test at 9.45 p.m. I have two hours to complete it, uh, two hours to complete it. And I feel like that gives me a good 15-minute buffer window to get it in before, you know, the clock strikes midnight. And as I'm taking it, I'm thinking, you are kicking the shit out of this test. Like, man, you might get 100% on this thing. And uh, I actually didn't tell my girlfriend this, but I I, uh, I told her this thought, which is, man, if you get 100% on this test, the teacher's going to think that you cheated, right? You haven't gotten 100% on a test before. I've done well in the class, but I haven't gotten 100%. And if you get, like, 
These tests are really hard. If you get 100%, no one's going to believe that you didn't cheat. So this may sound nuts, but uh, five, I, use, I even had like a half hour to like review all my answers. And I'm looking at them. And I, there was even a couple things I, I think I corrected. But um, there's this one section. It's on Chinese characters. They're called radicals. Radicals are like the constituent parts of, of, of many Chinese characters. And we basically have to just, you know, from a drop-down menu, select the definition for the, the, you know, I think it's like five or six radicals that are there. And I actually, knowing that one of the answers was right, I actually changed it to the wrong answer thinking, I don't know what this says about my mentality, but it was like, oh, you can't have 100% or else the teacher's going to think you cheated. So I actually changed one of the answers to the wrong answer. And when I hit submit, and the test was submitted like uh, five seconds before it was, uh, the, the timer was about to run out, the score that was immediately returned to me was 62 out of 100. Now, that's okay. There's always, uh, you know, there's a handwritten portion of the assignment always where you basically have to, you're given some type of prompt. You have to write a narrative or a dialogue or something in Chinese characters, and the teacher just has to grade that themselves. So there's always this outstanding segment of points that will be evaluated and added to your score later. And that section was worth 25 points. So I, in my head, I said, oh, well, if I get, sorry, I just punched the mic. If I get 25 points out of that, I'll have an A on the test. And then I did the math again very quickly, and I thought, oh, wait a minute. Actually, if you get all of those points, the highest you can get on this test is an 87, a B plus, maybe even a B. But I was like, what the fuck? And I looked through the test. I got answers wrong. I would have bet thousands of dollars that I was correct on. And of course, you know, I, as I, you know, I had this time to review the exam. I'm looking at everything. I'm double checking it. And I feel... 100% confident that I have all the answers correct. Now, once I see the correct answer, which you, you do get, because a lot of it's multiple choice, it's either true or false. And that sounds very simplistic, but it's, it's hard to describe. There's reading comprehension, there's listening comprehension. Um, um, you know, so it's very easy to just show the right answer as soon as the test is graded. And as soon as I see the correct answers, it makes perfect fucking sense. I, under, I, I now see my misunderstanding that I had carried through uh into the test so even though it conformed to my perception at the time i now see how i was wrong and uh and i just not that you know i i I mentioned that i changed this answer at the last minute that would not have saved me that was only worth one point so it would have been a 61 the highest i could get on the exam was an 86 it wouldn't have pulled me up to an a or anything but i just thought god damn it i really wanted to end with a with an A on the exam and I fucking didn't. And it also it just kind of shook my confidence. Now, the point here is is that I, I actually crunched some numbers before I took the exam. I think by taking it and getting above twenty out of one hundred, I w- I still get an A in the class. Now, we can revisit that when the grade actually gets posted if it's anything other than an A and I'll I'll be flabbergasted. But um the point is is that in the same way when I got a B on not the last exam but the exam before that it really kind of fucked me up for the weekend. It really kind of put a... It really fucked up my confidence because I think I'm pretty fair with myself. If I don't do the work, if I don't do the studying, I'm disappointed, obviously, but I still understand that I got the grade I deserve. Now, 
I still think I got the grade I deserved because I got the answers wrong. But it really, 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 really fucks me up, makes me stumble when I feel like I, I really do everything that I can. And yet I still don't perform as well as I not just could have, but I feel like I, I should have. And um, I, I think I just use this time that we can kind of recalibrate and think, okay, we, I don't know if this was clear, but we just reached the end of the first half of the summer session. So my, my first semester of Chinese is over. Next week, we, we start the second semester. And I just think, what am I going to have to do differently to not repeat the same mistakes. You know, what, what have I learned from this, these last six weeks that I can take into the next session? And if I'm being honest, and I, I think we did talk about this, but, you know, for many people, you know, you get an A in the class, you're doing well, right? Other people, you know, according to the world or whatever system the school has for determining the quality of your performance, if you get an A in the class, it's you know, short of 100%, that's about as well as you can, one can do, right? And yet, you know, I also think it's important as you go through the world, like hold yourself to your own standard. You know, I don't want to cast aspersions, but there was something that came to mind, or it sort of became very apparent to me. Um, and I don't think anyone will get in trouble for this, but it became very apparent to me throughout the, the sem- uh, semester that as we work remotely, there are many students who do cheat. And, you know, I don't want to get mired in, like, my feelings about that. Is it, just to say, um, you know, I have feelings about that. But at the end of the day, what other people do and how they perform really has nothing to do with me, you know? And, um, and uh, so why did I even bring that up? I don't fucking know. Um, I think I'm just trying to say, man, what a fucked up episode. Uh, I think what I'm trying to say is that, you know, going in the next six weeks, and even as I think about my time moving forward at school, you know, I gotta, I have to do more. And that really kind of fucks me up because I think, how can I? You know, I already feel like there are so many demands on my time and my attention. I already feel like I'm kind of maxed out, you know? And so I have to find ways to do more. And there are things I don't want to give up, you know? And uh, I don't want to give up the podcast. You know, not that it takes up a huge amount of my time, but it, it's something I want to do. And actually, I want to, I want to give more time to it. You know, as I think about, uh, and this is where I'm, I'm trying to force this connection back to listening to this, um, this pastor. And I think it's, it's not all of, but maybe slightly part of why I like religion and why I like going to church is I like sermonizing. You know, my favorite moments on this podcast are when I just sort of expound and talk passionately about something I'm very much interested in, and it happens to go well. And I think, um, you know, again, meta commentary on the podcast, but after doing 100 episodes of this sort of stream of consciousness format, you know, I really hope by the end of it, I would have developed this facility to just kind of talk with ease about things that are going on in my life in kind of a entertaining type of way. And, you know, I hear from some of you that you get that out of the podcast, and I'm glad that you get it. But if I'm also just, again, maybe this is the connection with school. If I'm just looking at how I feel about it, I don't think I've developed, I don't think I've developed as much as I thought I would <laughs> after doing 100 episodes as I, as I had hoped to. And so as I think about what the podcast needs moving forward, 
I think I need to begin approaching these episodes like a sermon of sorts. I think there needs to be more preparation. Um, I think I need to pick a topic and, uh, not that I just need to hit the same note the entire conversation, but I do think I need to get my thoughts in order. And I think I just need to approach it more like a sermon, you know, like a pastor will sort of prepare their thoughts over the week and maybe do some research and kind of get their ideas together and yada, yada, yada. And I'm, I don't want the podcast to be this sort of, uh, perfectly performed a monologue or soliloquy or something like that. Um, but I do think, uh, being more thoughtful moving forward about the things that come up on the podcast, if I, if I do continue to do it is going to be the way forward. So we don't need to go into that now. Just suffice it to say, I'm feeling like to continue doing well at school, which is what I really want to do. Um, I need to find more time. And so I think I'm actually going to have to be cutting some hours at work. Now, I hope they'll be cool with that, but, uh, but that's, that's, I'm, I'm feeling that that's what I might need to do. And I'm sorry, I'm getting a little distracted here because tomorrow is the 4th of July and, uh, uh, there's been fireworks going off all week. I think we heard some of them on the podcast last week, but someone's already starting to get going over here. But, um, it was actually funny, uh, today I sort of took the day to myself and I went out to the shooting range, which was, which I haven't gone to in about three months. I mean, the last time we talked about this was like three months ago. I had just, uh, uh, I had just accomplished the marksman level of shooting. Remember me talking about that? I showed you the plates with the bullet holes in it or whatever. Um, I haven't shot since then. I think I went one time after that and then haven't gone in about three months. My schedule has just made it absolutely impossible. And, um, so I went shooting again for the first time did awful, as you would expect, for not having shot in three months, uh, or even practiced dry firing at my place. So it was just absolutely abysmal. And in some ways, I sort of, you know, I was, I think I started talking about my performance on the Chinese test and how it impacts my confidence, because I feel like my shooting was also a consequence of that. I feel like my confidence, like, like I'm tilted, you know, like a poker player who plays and then they start losing and then they're, they're basically, it's, they, they call it being tilted. You just can't make wise decisions anymore. And I see that kind of play out in my life. It's like, oh, of course I went shooting. And I just felt tilted. It was like, even when I told myself, hey, focus, slow down, you know, front side focus, these sort of stance, grip, fundamental stuff, I couldn't commit to what I was doing. My mind felt like it was wandering elsewhere. And I also, leading up to this last week, you know, I play a lot of online chess. In the last week or two, you know, I, I'd been like sort of waffling around 1100 for probably a couple of years now, honestly. And there was just a ceiling of 1200, which I could just never break through. And then all of a sudden my, my, my score, I just start winning and winning and I start playing better. And even as I'm doing puzzles, I'm just like killing puzzles and I'm just, I'm doing really well. And all of a sudden I break through 1200 and for about a week, I was just like strong at 1250, which if you're a serious chess player, you know, you, you know that that's not that high. That's you know, still a pretty pretty rank amateur status. But for someone who's been looming and, and waffling at 1100 for a while, that's pretty cool to break into another uh, point ranking. And as soon as I took the test and didn't do well, I've just been bleeding rating points for the last 24 hours. I probably played like five games and I'm back down to 1150. And it's like, even as I'm sitting here and doing the podcast, which doesn't feel like it's going well, I feel like there's something about my performance in school that if I don't do well... 
I just feel like all the all the air kind of escapes, you know. I just feel I feel I feel deflated, you know. I don't feel confident. I don't feel articulate. I don't feel smart. And this is gonna sound fucking nuts because I haven't seen it, and I, I, but I have strong feelings about it. But I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but uh, Bo Burnham uh, released a quote comedy special. Uh, although it, it seems to be something else entirely, something very cool. It's called Inside on Netflix. And um, I've heard rave reviews about it. Um, this is one of those things that when I actually saw it, and I haven't seen it, I, I, I haven't actually watched the program, but when I saw what it was, it was like a dagger in my heart. I've talked around this idea of, oh, I've had this creative idea for a long time that I don't think I'm actually going to get to because it's been too long and the window's closed and it's too crazy and too stupid. Now, it's not inside. You know, the idea that I have is not what Bo Burnham did with inside, but it's something like that. It's something uh, tangentially related to that. And again, it's just another way in which I feel this creative idea that I had that, you know, I, I, I don't even want to talk about it. It just sounds so, it sounds so crazy, but I, I really felt was like, I just, I've never experienced anything like that. You know, when this, uh, idea came, this chapter of my life where this idea came to me and I, it, I was sort of possessed by it for a long time and I didn't pursue it. And I, it may sound nuts, but I do feel I have seen that idea sort of broken into a hundred pieces and just sort of scattered out into the world and completed in other projects over the last like five or six years. And there's a part of me that feels like Bo Burnham's inside is one of the last nails in the coffin. I think there's two or three more things I have to see before I, I'm like fully fucking crucif- creatively crucified, if that makes sense. But, um, but, uh, and you know, that probably, that's, that's probably going to be the title of the episode, but, um, there's two or three more things I have to see before my, my dream is completely fucking crushed, but it's like, we're, we are in the death rows of my, uh, my feelings about that creative project. And I sort of related it to, uh, Derek Delgadio's, um, in and of itself was a big, was a big fucking blow to that as well. And again, not that I wanted to create that thing exactly, but I, you know, the, the creative spirit, you know, that was behind this creative vision that I had, I feel it living in those things. You know, I've talked about, there's this sense in which, not that this is actually true, but there is this sense in which as an artist, you feel, you know, that your ideas come from another dimension. You know, sometimes I think of, uh, if you've seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's the Wonka vision scene where the young kid, I think it's like Johnny TV or whatever the fuck his name is, he basically gets zapped by the camera and he's like broken into a thousand little chocolate bar pieces and like floats across the ceiling to the other side of the room. There's a way in which as an artist, when you get an idea for a song, and I assume any creative idea, there's this feeling like it exists fully formed in another dimension and you are doing the very best you can to sort of recreate it with the, you know, the, the silly human tools that you have here in this world on this planet to recreate it. You know, there's like, um, I don't know if it was, was it Plato who had the, like the idea of chairness or something like that? It, you know, there's this, there's this ideal chairness that we think of mentally and 
we sort of create those things here in the world. But um, songs are like that. Uh, and I assume other creative ideas are like that uh, also. And also in creative art, and maybe this is why Christopher Nolan came up, but I've talked about like being in the presence of art. You get hit with the spirit of art. You see it in certain works. And I'm sure it's different for different people, but I only have, you know, however I'm calibrated, where I'm in front of a movie or a song or a book and I feel the real fucking deal. You know, and I feel whatever I've been chasing throughout my life, from the time I was young, you know, when Macbeth hit me over the head and it was like, oh, this is for me. You know, for every book, every movie I've ever read, not not that I just enjoyed, but that really fucking spoke to some core in my being that was that was truly formative for me. You know, I feel that there is a, a creative spirit moving through time, a conversation happening between, you know, creative works novels, movies, it's all interconnected in this deep web. And not everything that's created contributes to that conversation, but there are certain pivotal pieces that to me form a chain through time, <laughs> you know, inter interlocking hands or chain links, however you want to think about it, that this work or message is being carried through time. And for me, this is, I, I start getting loopy here, but I believe that religion and whatever is sort of a bastardized form of that, you know? Um, you know, something like the I Ching seems to embody, I think, the, or, or even Chinese philosophy embodies like the truest sense of, you know, the sort of numinous quality that I look for or that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about something metaphysical or something out of this world, some supernatural intercession some higher power like a god or a supernatural being that interacts with in our life. I'm talking about this very real sense that there was something, that we are all a part of this great mystery, this mysterious world that exists and operates on a level outside of our understanding. That's, it's, it's, it's very literally, not metaphysically, very, it's, it's very naturally just beyond our perception. We don't have the capacity or the word or, or the... Um, or the wherewithal to really comprehend it. And yet, there are still ways in which we feel its impact on our life and the way that it influences us. And we can actually get in touch with it. You know, the I Ching talks about yin-yang and the masculine and the feminine, and, and people hate those gender types of terms these days, but it's this way of talking about there's this generative source in the world, in nature, in our lives, in our experiences, and like songs, like art, like movies, there are these ideas that are gifted to us from beyond a veil <laughs> that they are non-tangible, ephemeral things that enter our minds and our lives that have the power to transform our world and give meaning to it. And yet it's nothing we can point at and look at. And where do these values and morals and, you know, music, where does this all exist? You know, it's, uh, people talk about the music of the spheres or whatever the fuck, but there is this non-tangible thing of the world 
that is so hard to tap into and stay present with, like the idea of death. You know, I'm jumping around here, but uh, the way I always talk about this is that the Tao Te Ching says, you know, I do not know what to call it, therefore I call it the Tao. You know, there are words that we uh, ascribe to things that are very important that we actually don't know how to talk about. And once we start talking about it, we're actually not talking about it anymore. Like the name that can be named is not the eternal name. The way that can be named is not the eternal way. These are just the sort of weak tools that we humans have to talk about these important things. But um, art, real art, not commodified commercial art. Um, And it sounds strange to say something about Christopher Nolan. This person is... incredibly successful, a very successful commercial filmmaker. And yet I feel a spirit, a real spirit in his movies. There are deep truths that are being conveyed. It's not, you know, when we look at a movie like Moonlight, people think it's a very important film. Topically, it is. There are important themes there, but that's like Theme, how do I say this? Theme is like the opiate of like the non-spiritual. You know? This is why people think you're a fucking white supremacist if you if you sort of speak against social justice issues or something, but there are ways in which to me, not very spiritual, not very how do I say it? Not very enlightened, not very... It's, it, it, I don't feel the force of the spirit that people just get so, in a way, bad religion. You know, in the same way that bad religion stands on pr- its, its principles and its dogmas and whatever, any social cause does. And it feels vapid and vacuous and performative. Um, I feel that in art. I feel that in social issues. I feel that in politics. It's all the fucking same to me. And I have no way to convince you or there's no reason you should believe that I happen to you know, have some sort of privileged or better calibrated divining rod, no pun intended, for where the truth is. I can only speak about my experience, but even as I'm sitting here talking about this, I'm going on this long rant, the, the whole point I'm trying to get at, and I've talked about this, betraying the muse or being in dereliction of duty, you know, my entire life... I feel like I've been being prepared to do something, to create something, to contribute to that conversation. And I look at my life and I think, what have I done? I look at the times in my life where I thought I was the most lost. And I look back, I look back on that work and I think I was probably closer to it then than I feel now. I mean, I just got an email today from somebody who I need to get back to. And this also says something about my life as well and the way I'm calibrated. Uh, I got an email from somebody today out of the blue that said, hey, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know, I see that you're kind of off doing other things right now, but I just want to let you know that that record you made, it's called Academy Clones, like that was really important to me and I still listen to it. And like, you know, just had a lot of nice things to say. And I think... You know, at the time, I was just sort of creating for myself, but I, I look back on that record in particular, not all the songs I was writing around that time, but there's something about that record where I feel, you know, there was something pure about it. You know, there I, I do feel like 
I was really expressing myself in a, in a deep way, in, in, a, in a way I've kind of lost touch with. Um, not that the world needed to see that, but I do feel, and maybe this sounds self-aggrandizing to you, but maybe, I also think maybe you don't have this in your life uh, if you feel that way, but there was a work being carried out through me. And I don't mean that in the kind of like you hear sports players or people who win Grammys say like, oh, this is the will of God and glory to God and I'm a vessel and all that. I mean, in, I don't mean that in a specialized kind of way. I mean, in a way that we all are. Like when we live close to ourselves, when we're kind of in our, and I'm going to vomit when I say this, but like when we're in our truth, when we're doing the thing we're supposed to be doing, there is a work and a conversation being carried out in our lives. You know, and, and, I, and I don't mean this supernaturally or metaphysically. I mean this in a very real way. Um, and I feel, you know, there's this period of my life and it's around the time I fell into the I Ching and I had this like moment of inspiration to create this thing that I never did. But it was like, I felt a, a window open and my consciousness was raised and I saw the world in a different way for a number of years and the world felt magical and I felt this wind at my back sort of pushing me in this creative direction. And yet when I look at how I, it felt too crazy to me. It felt too fucking nuts. And yet when I look at the important work and creative things that have been done over X number of years, it all points to that. And I'm not, you know, I, I have no basis of comparison. I can't say, oh, if I had done that, X, Y, and Z would have happened. It just shows me that I had my finger on the pulse of something. You know, I felt like I was gifted this insight into... I mean, it sounds so crazy to say, but the I Ching is a book of the future. And I don't mean it can tell the future like a crystal ball. I think, it, I think this is sort of pervasive in all of Chinese philosophy. But for the person who is tempered to the time, who's not deferential to any one way of doing things, who keeps to the mean and reacts to the moment as it's supposed to be, there's a type of, I don't know if incipient is the right word, there's a way in which one can kind of predict the ebb and flow of events. And I, I, when I say predict the future, I don't mean say... X, Y, and Z is going to happen, but that person can be truly of the time, you know? And it sounds nuts, but there was a way in which I felt like I was anticipating where, where the puck was going to be. Does that make sense? And I, I honestly feel like I dropped the ball. And this is where it sounds truly crazy, but there's a part of me that feels like, <laughs> this is where we go super spiritual, but it's like, this is why I think these books are important. I mean, despite my not being religious, this is why I think the Bible and other religious texts are pivotally important because they still are one of the only tools we have to talk about these things. But, you know, it's like Moses being kept out of the promised land. He led the people there and not that I led anyone anywhere. But I'm just saying... There's a way in which I feel like because Moses like broke the tablets that he was given, he was able to sort of stand outside the promised land, but couldn't go in there himself. I feel like I was given this vision by 
the cosmos, or I saw into something. You know, I was sort of walking down a hallway and sort of peeked in a door as it was closing and maybe saw something I shouldn't have seen, possibly, but because I didn't act, like, I have to just watch it play out as a bystander. And as I look at my life, um, I'm sort of jumping here, but I'm thinking about, like, well, this may sound counterintuitive, but it's like, or not counterintuitive, but this, well, it may sound off topic, but hear me out here. Hopefully we'll land somewhere appropriate. But, you know, learning a language is very hard, right? Especially learning, learning Chinese is very difficult. And although it's nice to have, you know, have worked through really an entire book of Chinese so far and beginning another one, it's, it's just, it's, it's nothing. You know how to say your name and you know how to ask someone where the bathroom is and you, you know, you can have these very structured, superficial conversations. That's not actually how people talk. So all I'm saying is, is once you actually start something, you realize, oh, you're going to have to do this for fucking years before you have anything approaching the type of conversational capacity for this that you want to have, right? You can't not, there's no shortcut to doing the work. And in some ways, actually going back to school and pursuing something that you're interested in has actually made me understand my own, my, like my, my prior creative career a little bit better as well, which is you sort of go through it and you want to cut corners and you want to meet the right people and you want someone to give you an opportunity. There are no shortcuts, when you are ready for something, it will be, it will happen. Like, what's the saying? Like, when the student is ready, the teacher presents themselves. Life is kind of that way, and there's no shortcuts. And so, as I'm sitting here, I, I feel like I'm always at the beginning of another process. You know, I think of someone like Bo Burnham inside, and you think, do y'all remember Bo Burnham from, like, 10 years ago when he was doing his Comedy Central special? And he was singing shitty songs. I remember sitting and watching it and thinking like, this is not for me. And yet, although I haven't seen it, one day, I, someday soon I will force myself to watch it alone. I already know. <laughs> I already know that inside is an important creative statement that needed to be made. Not because it, ironically, in and of itself... Not because it itself is, you know, like war and peace. It is a chain, a link in the chain of the creative conversation I'm talking about that I feel uh, I am very much outside of right now. But you think Bo Burnham was in that position because of everything that came before for dedicating their life really to that process that looked crazy probably to most people or many people anyway but that you follow the calling you do you know nobody can tell you what work you're here to do in life you have to do it and maybe not today maybe not tomorrow maybe not 10 years from now but one day you will do the thing or you should you know and there's a part of me that feels like i like uh you know, any hero's journey. I heard the call and I didn't fucking go. And I know the, you know, the sort of cliche or the, um, the archetype is every hero hears the call and denies it like two or three times, but eventually the, they, they must, they must go on the journey. They must embark right on the quest to slay the dragon or whatever the fuck. But, um, I don't know. What am I trying to say? 
believe it or not, this has been a very circuitous way of saying, there is something about not doing very well on my Chinese test that sort of brings all this up for me. Does that make any sense? Do you feel me? (sighs) Even as I'm sitting here, there's a part of me that says, there is probably some of you who are listening to this who think I'm fucking nuts. I don't know. I feel that, and yet, what I'm talking about, I kind of want for you also. (laughs) There's a part of me that thinks it might be this, it might not, I can't say it's the meaning of life, but I think it might be, it might be the secret to living a good life. I mean, I know it's supposed to be different for, for every person. I think how it plays out is different for every person, but there's, there's something... There's something to that. You know, they say, like, don't kill the messenger. I don't even think you need to kill the messenger. I think the important thing is don't dismiss the message. You can kill the messenger by all means, but don't dismiss the message. The messenger is kind of irrelevant. It's it's the message that's important. And maybe I feel, you know, there's a message in John MacArthur. You can look him up. You're probably going to fucking hate him. And even though you may disagree with everything he says, there's something about his approach to Christianity and biblical teaching and even biblical reading that I think there is something there. And I guess I just get confused because as somebody who's very much attracted to things that other people find uh, odious, I was going to say erroneous, that's not the right word, that people find putrid, it just makes me think, well, why am I so attracted to that then? Again, not that I want to embody it or be it or want it for other people. I I, I just feel like there's something there. I I guess I don't understand people who just want to bask in like-mindedness. You know? I have very, like, even think about, (laughs) I don't know what this says, but even think about something like Bo Burnham Inside. Most people, like, find something that they think is for them and they can't wait to see it. I'm the complete fucking opposite. I find something that I think, oh, that's like exactly up my alley, and I'm the last person to fucking see it. I've had hours and hours and hours of John MacArthur like playing in the background, and this is someone I disagree with on almost every point. And yet, there's something about what they're saying that has profound meaning for me. Hell, maybe I'm that for people listening to this podcast. I bet there's some of you that fucking hate my guts. Or think you do. But there's something you love, too. You know? I've heard from people who said they listen to every episode of this podcast and they, and they hate it. And it's like, I don't think you hate this podcast, then. <laughs> there may be things about it you hate. You may disagree with 99% of it, but there's something here that you love also.
you know, I sort of talk about this movie that, um, it's not, it's not a good movie. It's called Igby Goes Down. It's with one of the Culkin brothers, Kieran Culkin, I believe, and Jeff Goldblum is in it, and um, I think Susan Sarandon as well, because of course. Um, but it's, it's, it's not a very good movie. And, uh, but there's this line, Jeff Goldblum is supposed to be like the heavy, the bad guy in the film, and he, uh, at one point he says this thing that's supposed to make him sound absolutely devilish, because he's this sort of waspy, I think like wealthy New York type guy who, you know, he's like a cartoon character. Like, wealthy people in movies are always, like, bad people. But he says, uh, at one point he says a Kieran Culkin's character, and he's supposed to sound awful when he says it. He says, I believe, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something like, I believe that some people are here to serve as road signs for the rest of us of what not to do. And when he says it, you can tell it's supposed to, sorry, burping up the water I just drank, but um, it's supposed to sound like, oh wow, what a fucking asshole. One, there's a cliche that we all say called learn from other people's mistakes. So on some level, we all agree with that, right? Um, I, th- I think that, I think there's two sides of the coin. There are people who are, there's some work being carried out in, in them and that it's supposed to serve as an, as, as, as an example for us to follow but I think it's just as true that I think sometimes we're called to things because we're sort of, you know, I think about Horace, you know, the Latin writer Horace, he has this quote, which I've talked about, but again, this was actually, when I, when I read this statement, when I read this paragraph, it was one of the first times I, I felt this hand of history reaching through time and grabbing me and shaking me by the lapels and saying, this is for you, was Horace writing about uh, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, as I, as I go through my life, I do not neglect myself. You know, I'm constantly thinking about my actions. You know, was I kind to that person? Uh, could I, could I have done better in that moment? Or when I look at other people's behavior, I think, oh, are those things that I want to emulate? Or in a similar moment, do I not wish to do the same thing? And I go about thinking about these things. And when I have a moment, I sit and I write them down. And it sounds very simple as I say it, but that was like lightning bolts when I read that, where I thought, oh, I'm like this person. You know, it me, as people fucking say. It me, Horace. Anyway, I think that's important, too. We're supposed to look at other people and learn from their mistakes. Anyway, maybe this is just platitude central um, for you, or... um, I don't know, another Puff Piece podcast or something like that, but, um, yeah, this is where my mind is at today. Uh, Tomorrow, my girlfriend and I are going into the city. We're going to watch the SF Symphony play at Stern Grove. This will be, uh, you know, we went to a wedding the other weekend. So we're kind of returning to life as usual. I went to the range today, which was my first time at the shooting range in a couple months. And, um, I assume it's the same here as it is with you, which is people are not wearing masks anymore for the most part. Some people do still, I still do sometimes, but I probably wear my mask. Not that I go a lot of places, but I probably wear it 75% of the time and 25% of the time I'm, I keep it on my wrist. You know, when my girlfriend and I go hiking now, I used to be a fucking, people used to walk by us without a mask and, uh, I would just look at them 
you know, not uh, confrontationally, but just like, I see you not doing the thing that we're all doing. And, you know, I- I'm just letting you know that I see that, <laughs> you know, that kind of like, uh, you know, they're avoiding your gaze, you know, because they know what they're doing. You know, they, 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 they know what they're doing. And uh, I'm just letting them know that I see that, that we are on the same page, that you're not doing that thing that we're all doing. And, uh, and I'm noticing that. And, uh, and that's changed. <laughs> you know, I know we're kind of in a different period because that has changed. I don't feel that way. You know, now when me and my girlfriend walk, we're sort of walking by people and, you know, if I see someone put their mask on as I approach, I will do it because I'm, I'm trying to make them comfortable. And in a weird way, maybe they're just trying to make me comfortable. So maybe we're doing this dance that none of us need to really be doing. But we do kind of have this walk now when we walk by people where we both, nobody puts on their masks and we stand a little bit apart from each other. But we give the nod like, hello, how are you doing? Yes, I am not wearing my mask and you're not doing the same and we're cool with that, right? And jolly good and be well. And, you know, it's uh, it's just a different vibe, you know? And uh, I gotta be honest, I feel kind of, I feel kind of weird about it. I, you know, for for me, the shelter in place has sort of played to my strengths in terms of, I, I like being at home. I've enjoyed working from home. I've enjoyed, I've actually really enjoyed going to school remotely as well. And the fact that that's all changing, you know, I have some anxiety about it. I'm not looking forward to returning to the classroom. I'm not looking forward to having to, when I go to work, actually having to account for the commute and like be there. Um, Although I I think it'll be like most things. I've acclimated to remote work. And so now going back is going to be difficult. But of course, once we go back to life as usual, as they say, that's just going to be what we're doing. And in some ways, it might actually make life a little bit easier. You know, I had a uh, a coworker of mine who was saying, well, I'm worried that, you know, now with going back to normal, I won't have time for the things I... And I said, I think you'll just acclimate. You know, in some ways, having that, going back to that structure, it's just going to make a lot of decisions for us. You know, I think we've had to do a lot of multitasking as we've worked remotely. I know for me... You know, my day is sort of like zebra striped in terms of my responsibilities. It's like I can wake up and do a little homework and then I might have to go to class and then I can do a little work and then I can play a game of online chess and then I can do some homework and then I can do some more stuff for work and then I can go to my girlfriend's house. And, you know, it's just everything is just sort of hopscotched. But it's like, I bet once we go back to this normal structure, a lot of those decisions are going to be made for us. It's like, oh, should I do this now or that? It's like, well, right now you have to do this because you're at school or you're at work or you're at home, you know, uh, I'm hoping things will feel more, well, structured, more compartmentalized. Um, but who knows the idea of working less is actually a little bit scary. I think especially as an adult, well, one as an adult, I mean, you, (laughs) you know, you have to be working full time. Um, I think especially as an adult student, you want to be working because you're already kind of othered. You know, it's, it's sort of funny. I don't experience myself that way. But then, you know, you have these, they're not embarrassing. I, I don't know what the word for it is, but uh, there are moments where you see yourself the way the other students see you. Because there's this weird way that, you know, as you go through the world and you get older, you both are very aware that you're older but you also kind of like see yourself as young as well. Um, 
I don't know how to describe it, you know, but it's like, I see young people and I don't always experience them as incredibly young until they make some kind of like cultural reference that is completely lost on me or they have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. You know, I have a younger trainee now uh, that I'm working with and I can't remember the exact example, but it, we did get on this conversation of like, she made the comment, um, you know, we have occasion to hear people's birthdays or what year people were were born, you know, with the people that we interact with at work on occasion. And she said, oh, it's so strange to hear people who were born, you know, in like 2003. And I was like, what year were you born in? And she was like 99. And I was like, how do you think that makes me feel? You know, I'm 35. It's like, and I asked her, I said that this is the sort of benchmark I always uh, use. I say, Michael Jackson, cool or creepy? And she was like, creepy. And I go, well, one, you're absolutely right. Michael Jackson is super creepy. But for me, when I was a kid, you, you couldn't get cooler than Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was the king of fucking pop when I was growing up. And of course, you know, the child molestation, um, I don't know, I was going to say allegations. Does that, does that diminish them? The child molestation allegations happened. His star was blemished, obviously. But there was always this gray area. It wasn't until like, I think Finding Neverland was actually the nail in Michael Jackson's coffin. But, um, but uh, you know, it's just obviously just different generations experience people differently, right? Like, I remember Michael Jackson was the king of fucking pop. Like, he would play in Bahrain and, like, 300,000 people would come up and, like, half the audiences, like, they would have paramedics, like, pulling people out of the crowd because they were fainting, you know? Michael Jackson was just a little dot on the stage half a mile away from where they were at in the nosebleeds and yet they were passing out just the idea of him being around right or talking with younger people and be like they were born in like 2003 and it's like you don't even know a, a pre 9-11 world you know I, I mean it's like when you you know as a young like my generation it was like mlk or jfk's assassination or watergate like for me, it's like Bill Clinton, the Oklahoma City bombing. Dude, did you hear that fucking firework go off? Dude, you know there's a spirit in my life. How often do you say Oklahoma City bombing and then a fucking firework goes off? Uh, O.J. Simpson, did I say that already? O.J. Simpson, Michael Jackson, 9-11. You know, these were the formative events that like younger generations hear, and it's just a thing something from the history books. You know, COVID is one of those things. You know, of course, I'm alive for it as well. It's incredibly formative. But like high schoolers who went through COVID, like their kids are not, it's like when you, you know, all my grandparents grew up in the, in the, in the Great Depression. I understand it's very different, but people will grow up saying, oh, like, oh yeah, I was in high school around COVID or, you know, to a later generation, that's just going to sound like a fairy tale. That was told. You know, and as you get older, you just feel the, the, uh, the moments of, of things that were of such great import. You know, as the spotlight of history sort of moves through time, it's just, just another thing in the shadows that nobody really cares about. It's just something for the history book, something to be abstracted and talked about and simplified. 
you know? It's like when you hear about composers, and it's like, oh, well, Beethoven grew up around this time, and this is who was king, and these were the social influences that had influenced his work. And you can hear it uh, in the second movement of the, of the third symphony, yada, yada, yada. That's not how people live and experience their own lives, but that's what history reduces you to, a, a sort of well-combed narrative. You know, I've even said this about the history of Jesus, you know, in some ways, this is what heroes need, right? Like, they live, they preach their message, they have some import, but basically history closes around them. And, you know, even someone like Confucius, you know, we, we can never identify who the person was. It's only the, the myth that his followers sort of made him to be. And, um... Anyway... Who knows what the fuck I'm talking about anymore. I see that we're uh, right at the end of our time here. I feel like it's the end of therapy. Uh, we have to end here, but let's continue this conversation next time. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Everywhere you find good podcasts, you'll find this one. Take a minute, rate and review us. Give us five stars. We could use a bump, I'm sure. I don't read the reviews anymore, but I did see uh, I see where our numbers are at. And it, 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 we, we should be higher. Do you hear those fireworks? Do you hear that? It sounds like I'm back at the fucking shooting range. I will say, fireworks have got to be very triggering for people. You know, I know my girlfriend. I should probably text her, actually. You know, she, there was a shooting at her place. I, I'm, I'm sure the fireworks are kind of upsetting her right now. I'll check in with her right after this. Um, uh, I was saying, rate and review us. Give us five stars. Type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and why others might also. And if you can think of one person in your life. Think about this. If you can think about one person in your life who you think would like the podcast, send them your favorite episode. Send them this one. Uh, other than that, video podcast is also available. You can watch it on our website, thisismpod.com. Thisismpod.com. You can watch the video there or click through to our YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, comment, and all those good things. Uh, you will be alone there, but you can certainly do those things if you want to. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. Um, again, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, awesome. If you're just joining us, great. Happy to have you. Uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And ciao for now. <laughs>